Welcome to Montica's Spotlight series. I'm Andy Mackin, and with me today is not Chris Massey. He is on assignment in Europe somewhere, but has actually uh, fallen with COVID. And so he's tucked up in bed and trying to recover as quickly as possible. And so filling in his shoes today, they're big shoes to fill, uh, but you'll do a great job, is Ahmed Nath. <laughs> hey, Andy, yes. I'm very well, very well. Good morning in New York. Um, Yes, very big shoes to fill from, um, but I'll, I'll do my best. I'll do my best. They're usually Italian and uh, and uh, and double stitched and uh, shiny. I thought the Italian <laughs> shoes were usually a little smaller, but. Um, oh, that's also true. I don't know what that is. Maybe that's says. just for fashion. I don't know. <laughs> so, so Ahmet and I, yes, coming to you today from New York. Um, it is Friday, the twenty eighth of April, and we're just rounding out the busiest week of earnings um, for the quarter. So we're both. Uh, sufficiently caffeinated with American black coffee. <laughs> it's not quite the uh, the Australian coffee that we so desire, but at least the American <laughs> coffee you can you can drink very large quantities of it. Mm. Large portion but sizes over here. It serves it serves a purpose, particularly during earnings season. Mm. Um, so look, what we want to do today, we'll go through uh, a number of uh, results that we thought were worth highlighting um, as they relate to um, some major Montica investee companies. Um, and we'll give a bit of a flavour for what we're learning over the last few days. So first, uh, let's start with Blackstone, um, the world's largest alternative asset manager. What was your take on their result, Armit? Yeah, we, we, we've uh, we obviously written about this name um, a number of times, uh, but again, just enormous market untapped um, potential for alternative assets. You know, I think there's uh, you know you know ten trillion um, dollar well, there's a ten trillion dollar pie currently, and and, and Blackstone has about ten percent of that, and um, it's growing just in the private wealth channel to eighty five trillion, um, and so just just that tailwind in it by itself provides a pretty strong outlook for for the company Sp specific to the current quarter obviously we're all very much aware or across the um the emerging financial crisis or you know the the, the strains in the banking system maybe is a better characterization interestingly blackstone highlighted that this is actually a uh, an accelerant or a huge opportunity for for their business they have a huge amount of you know, hundreds of billions of dollars of uninvested dry powder um, that they have access to, and and they're eyeing off a lot of opportunities, particularly out of banks, as um as banks sort of move through this period, and and their collateral becomes increasingly under the under the microscope. They're basically looking to to exit a lot of positions um, indiscriminately, particularly in you know um, commercial real estate, um, and. The, 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 the thing about commercial real estate is obviously office space has been you know very severely impacted. Blackstone has you know very very minimal exposure here, but there are a lot of performing assets that that um, that Blackstone is looking to to um to to take advantage of, and they call this current environment you know specifically around credit and real estate um, a golden moment for um for their business. So even though macro and and uh, there are, you know, several other headwinds. Um, you sort of see this sort of, uh, you know, strain, uh, you know, silver, silver strand or you know, silver lining of the cloud 
um, you know, appear. And 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 this is kind of tantamount to their business model. It's an all-weather business model that that goes through cycles, and and this is this is no different. Uh, the other thing that was really interesting on the call was um, S and P uh, changed their um, requirements to be part of the S and P 500. So that S and P 500 is obviously the the biggest index in the world, and it just so happens that Blackstone is probably the biggest mega, mega cap that isn't eligible to be in the index purely because um, rules for inclusion require single class um, structure. That was actually introduced after a lot of these tech companies, but that's been waived now. And so we're 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 looking at maybe you know in the next couple of months um, there might be some positive developments on that front as well, which which would obviously be a it's a technical, but it's a, but it's 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 certainly welcome. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's that's a great summary. Um, yeah, I thought I thought uh, your your point around Blackstone being an all weather business. Um, it's important to reiterate. I mean, this was a particularly uh, challenging quarter in terms of fundraising um, for the whole industry, and yet they still raised like what was it, forty billion yep. US in in new funds just in three months. So it's, it's really, really, really quite extraordinary there. So I think I yeah, completely agree. Very well positioned. Massive opportunities ahead. Um, speaking of well positioned with big <laughs> opportunities ahead, uh, let's now jump to uh, Microsoft, um, who also gave a a really strong result. Absolutely, yeah. I think I think we can even just start there. The, the result, so you know, obviously won't get into the weeds on the numbers, but just completely blew the doors off in terms of what the the street was expecting, what the market was expecting up and down the P, the P&L. That's that's the um that's the technical um description, right? <laughs> no, exactly. Exactly. Obviously, you know, quarter to quarter is not necessarily what we're certainly not what we're playing for, but it um it just I guess it highlights just the short-term nature of of what the market is and and what it, what it's what it does and the function it serves. Um but and I think I think what you're saying there as well even though <laughs> I was making a joke about um, the term that you use, but it's. I think what we're really saying is that um, not only was the result strong, but expectations coming into the result were so low. Right. Right. And because we've just gone through the year of 2022, where a lot of tech got sold off quite significantly, including Microsoft and others. And so we come into this year, and and you know we're still hearing headlines every day about the impending recession and whatnot. Um, and what that has done, it's served to really reduce expectations coming into this quarter. And now to your point, Microsoft have, you know, when they blow the doors off, um, they don't even have to blow all the doors off to see the, the stock go up quite significantly. And that's that's really what happened. Hundred totally well said. Um interestingly, while they did while they blew the doors off, you know, expectations um for the street, what the, the operationally and what's happening below the the surface is perhaps even more extraordinary than um, what is currently being reported. It's obviously what we're seeing in in in, in the results are obviously backward backward looking, but looking forward, um, this business just continues to remain extraordinary. I've used that word twice in a sentence now, but um, just amazingly positioned. Um, some of the some obviously artificial intelligence we've written extensively about this, um, but um, their lead in artificial intelligence 
and just the investment they've made in Azure, their cloud business, and the way that they see it all stitching together is not something that they've started working on in the last six months. It, it's something that CEO Satya Nadella has been focused on for the better part of the last, um, you know, last decade or so. And together, together with OpenAI, <clears throat> which um, obviously came um, came to fame with their, you know, ChatGPT, um, you know, consumer product, effectively, it's 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 just it's just uh, the way the way, where, where this industry is going to end up is uh, is uh, and I and I and I'll and I'll and I'll going to leave the artificial intelligence uh, to you, Andy. But I just wanted to highlight some of the some of the high level pieces that are happening. Uh, specific to their business and and not necessarily on AI, but in terms of their customer base, we've we've come through, and this is actually um, across the cloud industry broadly. Um, there's been a slowdown or a moderation in cloud spending, and this was, you know, it's been well flagged and and um, and sort of well understood. I don't know if well understood is the right way to, to to frame it but but the way that it usually works or the way that it has worked or, or the way that or the what microsoft is hearing from customers is um you know through the pandemic companies were moving to the cloud they made huge commitments and um they they made some shifts and now we're in a period where um you know the macro economy is, is slowing and so rather than forcing down the aspirations for these companies um, in the immediate term, Microsoft is basically helping them optimize their spending commitments um, now, and and that's sort of been a been a been a uh, been a key um, motion through the last you know several months, and and continues to be the the optimizations of of existing workloads. But it's almost as though it's almost as though when you draw breath and then exhale. So at the moment, the cloud industry is drawing breath. And, and what that does is it just sucks the oxygen out of the room in terms of competitors. If you have a, a point solution and and or if you have something that is not um, resilient and you're in the software area or even if you're in the hardware area that can be moved to the cloud, this is the moment that all of those legacy systems are now being sucked onto in, into the cloud effectively. You don't necessarily see it show up in terms of cloud growth, revenue growth, but that's what they're talking about optimization, customer op optimization. And we've been seeing that. What was really it's, interesting- It's interesting as well, just on that point that um, we've observed that while, uh, you know, names like Microsoft um, and others that will come to like Meta and whatnot uh, have, have performed very well this year, um, the broader software space has really not gone anywhere. Um, mm. it's, it's still really quite depressed. And I think that to some extent, that's because of that dynamic that you're just describing now, right? Mm -hmm. 100%, 100%. The, the, if, if you're not part of a, like a large platform and, and Microsoft's, with Microsoft with Microsoft 365 and Office 365, there's a lot of um, additional, you know, software applications that are included and so if you're paying for a standalone solution that could be replaced by um, something that microsoft that you're already paying for with your subscription with microsoft that's what companies are doing right now they're just saying okay well let's cancel our you know just making up uh making up companies here but maybe maybe they 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 shift off um, you know, Zscaler or a CrowdStrike and 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 aggregate onto um, E5 Microsoft 365 and use their security stack, 
um, for some of those you know pieces of the puzzle. And uh, yeah, so 100%. I think that's why more broadly. While so I think that. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, I think that's why when you're investing in this space, it's, it's it's not about investing in a space. It's about being selective, like on the individual businesses that have advantages. Um, and like you've spoken about the the platform advantage that, that Microsoft has there. And uh, I mean, the other one that I think is really interesting that you wrote about in the last monocle, so the, the April monocle, um, with respect to your piece on Microsoft was around their ability to layer in their AI or infuse their mm -hmm. AI into yeah. existing applications that already have, you know, customer bases or users to the to the tune of you know, three hundred million plus. Yep. Um. So, what, talk, talk to me about that as as an advantage. Huge advantage, yeah. So the the the, the mission critical to pretty much every enterprise on earth. Everyone. I say everyone like 1.6 billion uses um, use Windows. That's obviously the platform for computing. Um, you know, in terms of applications, you know, as Andy said, 300, 400, 500 million across, you know, Teams, Office, um, and beyond. And no one is, you know, there's very, very limited churn across these um, applications. What 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 they've what they've actually been doing, or with the AI, the, the the part of the ecosystem or the opportunity that Microsoft has that no one really has is one they have an enterprise customer that's willing to spend money for productivity, and two, they have the the artificial intelligence to embed into those applications and give a productivity enhancement to customers, and so it's. If we go back, you know, to you know, through time, like since the beginning of um of companies, you know, distribution and a loyal customer base are really two of the biggest competitive advantages, you know, in the world. And 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 even if you have a you know a second tier or a third tier product, if you have a loyal customer base and um and a product that's that's good enough, you're probably going to win in your market. Unless I think the number is unless the product that's coming that's coming into your space is ten times better or some type of an order of magnitude better, it's really difficult or or nigh impossible to disrupt the incumbent. Microsoft is 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 unique here because they actually have the best product on the market. In fact, there is nothing like it. If you look at their um, if you look at their AI-enabled Teams product or their AI-enabled um coding product, which is Git, GitHub Copilot. They're charging between three to six times the base product pricing. That's an enormous increase in in price. And I think on this call, they said you know 10,000 customers had actually signed up for that um, you know for that uh, more expensive offering. So there's yeah, market I saw to that. It was, it was actually it was 10,000 new customers in three months. Like that, that is that is staggering. And I think I think the point you make is is a good one, and I'll just sort of underscore it um, because I, I think it's we're certainly being clear about what we believe in, and it's a slightly differentiated view in the sense that it's actually not about the AI itself. It's about like in in terms of the the really valuable part of that equation, it's about the embedded customer base, mm -hmm. the distribution mm -hmm. into the customer. And I mean, don't get get me wrong, today the essentially the AI model that they've plugged in to make their, you know, 
Copilot for Business and you know Microsoft Designer and to make all of their AI infused applications really, really good. The models that they've plugged in from OpenAI today are world class. But I guess even if tomorrow somebody else made the best models and it wasn't OpenAI, they could very easily just plug those in. So through that lens, the model itself, believe it or not, is the part that will probably commoditize. You could argue it already has, or it is it is commoditizing pretty rapidly. But the durable advantage is actually the thing that Microsoft has, which is distribution into a very, very large um, embedded customer base. In the interest of time, we'll, we'll push on. Um, Amazon um, saw many of the same uh, sort of customer slowdown dynamics that you just described with Microsoft in their cloud business. Um, also yep. saw a slowing consumer as well, which I guess wouldn't surprise us. Um, anything stand out um, that was particularly noteworthy for you on the Amazon result? Um, on, the, on the cloud, I, I think it's um, I, I think it's like a really natural cycle that they're going through at the moment, the, the customer optimizations, which then, you know, which is you know, very similar to what Microsoft is, is, um, is experiencing and also what um, Google is experiencing as well on the hyperscaler side. Um, what was, I think we, we discussed this on, a, on an earlier, on a, on, in one of our research um, calls just recently because Amazon just went to market with their um, AI go to market. And it's very, 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 new and recent, but it seems uh, Amazon is not new or potentially even late to the game of, of AI and embedding, um, you know, technology or models into existing uh, software. Uh, they have a slightly different um, motion in terms of accessing or kind of selling into their customer mix. Obviously, Amazon has the la largest um, standalone cloud. Um, and so, you know, and the largest number of customers, slightly different um, type of customer. Microsoft obviously has enormous presence with enterprise customers, but Amazon has, um, you know, a lot, a lot of a lot of the same customers, but um, a huge amount of um, small medium um, businesses as well. And so, I think, you know, while we haven't seen it show up in today's earnings or the, the most recent um, earnings. In terms of their strategy around, you know, the models that they have, the 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 platform, um, you know, the APIs they're going they're going to allow developers to build on, all very very positive. And I think with these optimizations, so once you sort of you help a customer optimize, Microsoft said that a lot of the customers, well, some of their customers, this is actually the really positive piece, was some of their customers had optimized everything they could optimize, and were now adding incremental workload, and so that kind of lent. You know, for for their customer mix, some of their customer, you know, their optimization phase may have now bottomed, and so now Microsoft is now going into the expansion phase. For 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 AWS, it seems their customers are still optimizing, and so they haven't seen that bottom just yet. But sure enough, you know, if Microsoft is any you know lead indicator, they should they I mean they 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 very you know, they should see the similar type of um, trajectory and, um, and and expansion. That's that's sort of like what, what uh, you know, a lot of the experts that we've spoken to, customers we've spoken to, and certainly what the hyperscalers are pointing to in terms of optimizations, 
then there'll be like a, a period of digestion and then there will be you know growth and, and potentially explosive growth once again as um as you know the economy grows and um and all workloads are workloads are fully optimized and customers look to to do more things and become more productive and i thought it was interesting that amazon ceo andy jassy went out of his way to say um look and this is actually a quote, he says, in my opinion, few folks appreciate how much new cloud business will happen mm. over the next several years mm. from the pending deluge in machine learning that's coming. Um, and, and, it's, and it's not just about like model training and model inference, but it's about everything that you need that goes with it. Satya Nadella made this point on the Microsoft call as well. He said, you know, take chat GPT. Well, it's not just about that model, but you know, they use Cosmos DB as their database. Yep. They obviously need, you know, storage. They need, you know, yep. compute to deliver the software. So it it really does speak to, and this has been our view for several years now. It it really does speak to, you know, this dynamic, which is, we're just on the cusp of it, how the compute intensity of software is increasing due to AI. Mm. That's point one. And then point two is the proliferation of software into the real economy is also accelerating due to AI. Mm. And like you mix those two ingredients together and it's very a very powerful long-term structural combination for the world's leading um, cloud providers, including Microsoft and Amazon and, and um, Alphabet's Google Cloud as well will benefit yeah. most likely. Um, the other point I'd make just generally about Amazon, um, you know, They've been going through several quarters now of, of cost control. Obviously, they build a lot of capacity in their fulfillment distribution, transportation networks, um, post the big sort of um, the big run up in demand following COVID. And, and now they're sort of optimizing that and, and reducing costs. And they've, they've got a ways to go there. Uh, it's, it's really a theme that um, has been observed in many of our names. Uh, and we'll, we'll move to S&P Global Next, where we also saw this theme, where uh, in, a, in an economy where the top line growth is slowing, um, well-managed businesses are reducing their costs at an mm. even faster rate. And so they're actually getting margin expansion, profit margin expansion in a slowing economy. Yeah. Uh, and so that was certainly, so that was the, the case for Amazon. By the way, it was actually the case for Microsoft as well. Mm. Um, um, but it, also the case for Amazon, S&P Global, similar story. Their revenue is still weak from um, very low bond issuance because obviously people issued or companies issued a lot um, before rates went up. Now they're up and so everyone's trying to sit tight for as long as possible. But as rates start to come back down and as, as uh, lots of refinancings um, need to take place over the coming years, that is essentially viewed as like pent up demand that will all hit at once. So we, we think that the earnings power of S&P Global is really going to inflect in the coming years. Um, but as as of today, uh, and obviously that, you know, these companies just report for the, the quarter just gone. So it's a very short term sort of backwards looking period. You know, rev revenue is still pretty weak, low single digit, um, but they actually manage their costs to, to grow um, at a slower rate. And so they did get profit margin expansion. Uh, interestingly, as well with S&P Global, they they also have internal AI capabilities, which makes sense because they actually have some of the world's most privileged data sets in the um, financial services sector. 
and obviously data sets are uh, you know, one of the critical inputs into um, AI model training. One of their big focuses is actually using the models that they build to drive internal efficiencies. And so there's a big opportunity for them um, to actually do more with less. Uh, they have 40,000 employees um, who are, you know, reasonably well paid. Um, and you know, I wouldn't be surprised if in the fullness of time they can achieve their business objectives with uh, fewer employees than that um, as a result of using some of the uh, productivity tools that stem from AI that, that we've been talking about. And then um, the, the final one I want to mention as well, uh, Meta um, also had great cost control as well. Mm. Uh, did, did anything jump out to you about the Meta result? Yeah, that, that the cost control was incredible. Like just um, some some of the commentary from from uh, from Zuckerberg CEO, um, you know, in terms of um, you know flattening the management structure and uh, increasing the percentage of the company that is technical um, and reprioritizing, sort of saying you know the speed and quality of our work will actually improve. So it's it's really like a a, a process. I think I hope this is probably. Across the tech sector, well, you know, and also a lot of companies that got bloated, you know, in a in a zero interest rate environment. Um, and to your point around uh, around um, cutting costs, they're they're effectively like just just shedding dead wood um, or unnecessary or or even negative um, contributing um, overhead. And so that that's obviously leading to margin expansion and productivity and probably even better. Um, you know, internal cultures over time, you know, in the short term, it's 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 obviously disruptive to uh, and to, to. Yeah, no, was, uh, absolutely. I was just going to quantify that a little bit as well, because, you know, six months ago, the guidance for. 2023 costs, like total costs of the business for this year, mm. six months ago, that number was guided to be as much as 100 billion US dollars. Mm. Uh, and then as of today, the guidance is down to you know less than 85 billion uh, mm. excluding one one time restructuring charges so you know in 6 months time if you've taken 100 billion and and cut it down by you know more than 15 billion it's it's that is a big change that is a big swing in the cost base in a very <laughs> short period of time and you know you can accuse Zuckerberg of a lot of things, but you can't accuse him of not being, you know, really um, focused and aggressive uh, when it comes to uh, his business objectives. So, anything yeah. else on the on the meta result that jumped out to you? I, 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 they mentioned um, obviously TikTok is, uh, you know, has been you know, top of mind or at least in the media for a long time. Yeah. Um, they they actually mentioned what kind of caught my eye was that that they said they're taking share in. Um, in um in short form video and they also said that um that part of the business i think i'll, I'll you, you'll probably be able to quantify this um has just grown extraordinarily um in terms of its monetization and um and usage i, th I think they said and this is more broadly for for meta but um you know more than three billion people and there's eight billion people in the world you know you know men women and, and children beyond um, use one app per day. So that, that's just an incredible moat. And I guess the, the question that, you know, that I guess when we went through the bottom of the cycle, like late last year, it's kind of incredible to think how far this stock has come. Uh, the thought was, 
you know, that moat, 3 billion people using one app a day. And then also TikTok would effectively, you know, disrupt the business in addition to the cost, um, you know, just, you know, the, co the cost of a, just irrational spend. I think I think a lot of like, all those questions have now been answered, and so and they just and they just they just keep outperforming. Um, that wasn't one thing that stood out, but uh, yeah, no, <laughs> that's, that, absolutely. And I, I'll I mean I'll summarize the situation as well for for those who um, you know naturally have a life and and don't follow um, the financials of Meta as closely as we do, but. Um, <laughs> Uh, you know, if, if you go back a, a couple of years, um, the, the question was, would does the, the, the rapid growth in TikTok actually mean that, that Meta's losing share? And the, the short answer is no. What's, what's actually happened is that short video um, from Reels or TikTok uh, or even YouTube shorts, um, what it's essentially, it's so engaging that it's actually increased, increased the pie. So so we could so two things could be true at the same time so one is that TikTok could be growing very rapidly and two is that um you know meta would actually not be losing share at the same time and that's that's essentially what's what's playing out um so reels has in effect uh drastically increased the total engagement within the business and engagement you can just think about it as like how much time each person spends on average you know looking at your phone each day um on uh instagram or facebook or whatsapp or or messenger um times the total number of people doing it so it's like the total time that you can then monetize through advertising mm. um, and that's the you know the primary value driver of the business and as a result of rolling out reels and also as a result of um the business deploying their ai in a more intelligent mm. way to to give better recommendations of more interesting content and whatnot Engagement has actually increased very, very significantly. And I think what's been a little bit misunderstood over the last few quarters is that that engagement is yet to be monetized, even today is yet to be monetized. So you can view it as as like this very significant, like embedded earnings power potential that has not yet been realized. Uh, and so they are they are starting to monetize it now. They are starting to increase ad loads in reels, and they they are starting to um, we're seeing CPMs, i.e. the price of ads, also increasing in reels as well. Um, and then they're also using their um, AI advantages to uh, mm. further enhance uh, both engagement on the consumer side. Um, through the creation of, and, and this is actually still to come over the next few months, um, uh, on the consumer side uh, to drive engagement around, you know, using tools to create, um, you know, more interesting um, photos and videos and um, um, special effects and whatnot. And then on the advertiser side, just just really making it much easier for small businesses to spend money and advertise through things like, you know, the AI will actually create ads for you and make them the right ad formats and, you know, um, uh, target the right cohorts and, and mm. all the rest of it. So, um, yeah, they're actually in a really strong position. And and our view is that, that the monetization potential of um, Meta is still being underestimated by the market, believe it or not, because the stock has increased quite significantly. But our view is that, that this the sheer increase in engagement um, is yet to be monetized uh, and is still being underappreciated by the market. 
Uh, and then the final thing I'll say as well is it, it comes back to a point we were discussing back with Microsoft. It's like this quarter Meta um, generated revenue that was up like mid single digit, like 6% in constant current currency terms. And yet the stock rallied 14%, which is a, a, a huge one day rally. And it was already up a lot um, throughout the quarter. And again, it's, it's, it's a really critical point to understand. It's, it's not about the result in and of itself. It's about the result relative to expectations mm-hmm. and, yep. and expectations for many stocks, but certainly for Meta um, over the last year or so have just been so low mm. um, that, you know, it really doesn't take much to, uh, to move the stock quite significantly. It's totally. And I, I think just on that point around expectations, um, and also coming back to you know all the dynamics that you just outlined around um, Meta being able to rebuild its um, you know its ability to monetize its user base and and get revenues uh, move, moving positively. Obviously, this was a byproduct of some of the changes that Apple had made. I think if you look at Snapchat today, they're still talking about the issues that those Apple changes have on its business and. I think on its result, even though again broadly depressed result, it, the, the stock fell 20%. So it's uh, it's it's again comes back to business models and who, who will win and and um and and you, yeah, and you've got to be selective. It's, it's who will selective. win, who has the advantages, um, who has the scale um, to to you know deal with changes in technologies or regulations, who has the customers. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, could, couldn't agree more. You've got to be selective, and you, you've got to buy when expectations are unreasonably low. Uh, and uh, you know, I think that's the setup, even even today, um, for for all of the stocks we've just talked about. Totally, hundred percent. All right, Armit, we'll we'll leave it there. Um, you did a great job filling <laughs> Chris's Italian shoes. Um, thank you for that, <laughs> Chris. If you're listening, I hope you feel better very soon. Um, And we'll talk to you again soon.